Welcome to another edition of Unexplained Cases Live. I'm Rick Garner. We've got Darren Dito. We've got Miriam the Medium. And our special guest tonight coming to us from uh, L.A. is Malia Ogulio. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Oh, we are awesome. So, my goodness. This is, this is a big treat. So, uh, you know, I think um, you and I have been... Uh, conversing back and forth over Insta for it seems like for a while now. A while, so, I think, yeah. You know, and so it's been kind of cool following your journey, figuring out um, all that's been going on with you, and um, that's what we want to talk about, basically, and uh, okay. just to unpack all that and and see wow. what's been going on with you over the past um, few years since you've started a couple of interesting uh, products. Yeah, uh, all very. Random. None of this was. <laughs> that's the best way I can describe it. Honestly, I was thinking about this yesterday because I never, in a million years, thought that I would end up hosting um, or creating my own content. I was pretty much happy just acting and auditioning, and then I wasn't happy doing that. And my real like the thing that brings me happiness is going to go see historic or creepy places. So. For me, it was a complete friend that suggested, hey, why don't you make a show about the places that you go to? Because all of my friends were so tired of me. I don't know. Sorry, there is some crazy something happening outside right now. There's sirens going on. It's paranormal. (laughs) But yeah, so I started creating my own content very randomly. And I really didn't think anybody would care. I thought for me... I am just going to go to these locations, learn all I could about the history. For me, it really came down to answering the question, like, why does this place feel creepy? Like, you see these places, you pass these places. um, And I just wanted to know, is there history that backs this up or is this completely lore? So it just started out as a thing where I did it and I was very uncomfortable talking to a camera about this information. So I drank a lot of wine, which meant I got pretty drunk for the first couple seasons. And then I decided I should start scripting myself and having, uh, you know, notes at least in front of me because going off of memory didn't always completely work. But it became the most the thing that I was most passionate about. I didn't ever think that would happen. And I was really excited when people started caring and I got a little following of creeps as I call them and people were excited to learn these places and (laughs) it just made me want to keep doing it and this is just kind of snowballed and to so many different things and then when I decided Grave Hunter that was a whole other random pathway that I excuse me fell down so none of this was intentional it was just all my weird obsessions turning into content that I never thought I would make. Awesome. Darren, I bet you've got uh, some more questions for uh, Malia, but um, well, my goodness, we've got some uh, folks checking in from Pennsylvania. Uh, Matida, hi there. Carolina from uh, Arizona. <laughs> You're neck of the woods there, uh, D-Dog. Uh, also, yeah, Mombasa, Kenya. Hey, Kate. Thanks oh. for coming in. Shirley from Florida. Wow. Hey guys, how's it going? uh, Yeah, got some folks uh, pouring into the chat. So we'll definitely try to ask some questions um, maybe a little bit later on, but thanks everybody for joining on. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, Millie, I did have a question um, just about where you you grew up. I know you're in Los Angeles right now. Are are you from the Southern California area or did you grow up in another part of the country? 
No, I grew up in Seattle, um, and I had a very interesting childhood. Well, time out. What part of Seattle? Because I was born and raised. Lower Queen Anne, two blocks from the Space Needle. That's where oh, I, I grew up and raised. I know, I know exactly where you are. Okay, cool. Yes. Go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. Right right now I'm excited. It's like hometown. Uh, do you know where uh, Northgate is or was? Yeah. Yeah, right around there. All right. Oh, my gosh. That's a two, what, what high school did you go to? Garfield. Oh, you're, oh, I went to Ingram. Probably. Yeah, I played basketball. They had, uh, traditionally had the best teams in the state. So, yes. oh, my God, that's a small world. So I'm going to really go off tangent because a lot of the people probably don't even know what I'm talking about. But you grew up in Seattle. I grew up in Seattle. What, what do you think about Maltby Cemetery? I've never been. Have you ever heard of Maltby Cemetery? No. Oh, okay. Well, th maybe that'll be another episode. But that, it, mm. as somebody that grew up in Seattle, that was like one of. The, it was supposed to be this this cemetery. It's out like in Duval, and it had thirteen steps to hell that led down to this vault. This would be a great episode. I mean, now the thing is, as a kid growing up there, it was kind of up this logging road, okay. and you had to try not to get arrested because it was trespassing. They had the cemetery, and they built a neighborhood right next to the cemetery. But anyway, yes, as a kid, it was you were supposed to go to there to dare yourself that you would walk down the steps to hell, and then there was a vault and everything like that. Um, anyway, if you did some research, maybe that would be an interesting episode. Um, well, it's strange you say that because now that you've mentioned it, I have – so my mom is obsessed with cemeteries, and so she would drag me all over. But when I was younger, I, I wasn't – I had no idea the name of the cemetery, but that sounds familiar. So I'm going to have to like check back and ask her if she ever took me there because that is, I feel like it's somewhere back there that I feel like I might've been there as a kid. Finally, on the last day of high school in way back in 1989, I finally went there. It took me that long because you would get to this area. It's pitch dark. It's like, you know how the woods are up in the Northwest. Yeah. And you're like, dude, you want me to like go walk up there? You can't see your hand in front of your face. And like in the 80s, they supposedly had um, like devil Satan worshipers that were doing things with candles and animals. And anyway, it, like I said, I digress. But that would be an interesting, since you and I are from the same area, if you looked around, you'd be like, oh, no, I know what that Darren guy was talking about. My mind is blown right now. So excuse the shock because I'm just so mad at myself that I didn't know about this. And I'm just like dying to go. Ah, that's so good. Thank you for telling me. Yes, not a problem. Well, okay, so you grew up, you grew up in, in Seattle. Was mm -hmm. there something in particular? Did you ever have a interest in, you know, the paranormal, ghosts, or things like that when you were a kid? Yeah. So on my mom's side of the family, which was pretty much all women, they all basically saw things. They believed they saw something. They all believed they are very sensitive. And my grandma's house... I hated going there. I was on top of Queen Anne, um, most terrifying place I've still ever been. And Whoa. I had a lot of experiences as a kid of seeing things. And I kept feeling like I was, something was trying to take me with them, which was very terrifying as a child. And the apartment that I grew up in was a Victorian fourplex um, where I had a recurring nightmare of a little boy under a table. And that has kind of like followed me my entire life, this very odd feeling of this little boy, which is a very strange thing. But I come from a big family of believers. Uh, my father's a drummer and I was around artists my whole life. So it was 
always a constant thing in my upbringing, very open-minded. Paranormal was, just wasn't really a thing that we questioned. It was more of a thing that existed, if that makes any sense. Right. So right. it was a very, I guess you could say unusual childhood. So what are you talking about? The, I'm just curious about the, the, the little boy. Was it somebody from like a long time ago, like when, you know, Seattle in the 1800s, or did you get a sense of- I don't know, and to be honest, um, I have never done research on the place that I grew up because I am so terrified to find something that validates this, if that makes Ooh. sense. Like this for me yeah. is my big thing that eventually I hope to research it, but I'm not there yet because this is something that terrorized me for so many years that I'm just not sure if I'm there yet. <laughs> right. Are, so. are you still having those dreams? Um, not, not of him as a little boy, but I feel like it is a presence that has stayed with me, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. I mean, I can help you get rid of it if you want to. Yes. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Let We can see tonight if this location you chose has any connection to it. Okay. And if it doesn't, I think we should do it immediately because I can feel the, the fear. I, I feel like it might be actually something we could do pretty quick. So we could see what tonight holds. And if you guys want to jump in early and do this, and then I can help Malia at the same before we close out, we could do that. I'm not yeah. feeling like this is anything that's going to take a long time. So um, I don't know why I'm, I mean, I know I'm being told that. I'm not sure why, but I'm being told that. So whatever you guys want to do, we can do with that. But I think we should, Malia, I don't think you should have that. I mean, you shouldn't be feeling that anymore. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I would really love to be free of this feeling. Well, just, yeah. just unpacking this, it's like the moment, Malia, you mentioned that, basically, I, I got my full body chills, which mm. that's... That's not, you know, some people say, ooh, he got chills. Um, no, I mean, there, there's a reason for me getting that. And so, of course, my next thing was to basically say, oh, by the way, um, uh, Miriam, I think you probably have something to share on this. And she went ahead and, uh, and mentioned it as well. So I, I think that, yeah, we, we should see how it, uh, it plays out. But I definitely think we should touch on that um, after the remote viewing. Yeah, a lot okay. of anxiety is the one thing I could tell. It, it's kind of made you anxious over the years. It, it really sounds. Oh right. yeah, mm -hmm. very much. I, for me, I'm not a person that I feel very sensitive to energies. I always have, and I feel like I'm, I'm consciously blocking myself from seeing things because I don't want to because I've carried so much fear of it my whole life. But I also think that's because. Sorry, not that's because, but that is why I feel like I'm visited most in dreams because my guard is down. There's been a lot of experiences throughout my life where I've had things happen in dreams or I'm visited in dreams and things have been spot on or I can relay messages to other people. And I think for me, it's, it's purely just because my guard's down. It might be something I could experience more while I'm awake, but I just have closed that door as much as possible because of this, you know, almost 30 years of built up fear. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. My goodness. Well, hopefully we can get you some answers and, you know, maybe get you some help tonight so you can, you know, get, get rid of that. Um, you're an actress, obviously, in Los Angeles. Got to ask you, um, 
Any roles that are like paranormal, horror-y type? Have you done any uh, type of work You know, like I that? did a short film, which was like a really fun play on the Frankenstein uh, story. But I, to be honest, the last few years, I've really shelved acting. Like for me, it's been all about doing the show and researching and I've just lost myself in that. And I think that is the thing that is so strange. Like I would never would have expected this is the path I would have ended up taking, but it just, if a great role came my way, I would love it, but I'm not actively seeking it the way that I am seeking to find a home for my show on a network or any of those things. Like that has absolutely been my forefront for the last five years. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, watched a lot of your episodes. Uh, you do a great job. Very natural. Um, if you are using cards, I couldn't tell at all. Uh, <laughs> I, actually, I was like, dang, she really knows a lot of stuff. Um, I, I did like the fact that you're having to drink uh, to get a blue moon in one of the episodes. And also I saw several glasses of, of wine. What, what are, I'm sure you, you mentioned you might have a few followers or groupies or things like that. What, what's your interaction with your fans been like? I've always tried to keep it really open. Um, I love taking suggestions from people to know what they might want to hear. But I think for me, I was just so excited that people cared that I almost became friends with people almost instantly. When people would message me, I try to respond to every message that I can. They're just very responsive. And I think it's for me, it's always ultimately, I think maybe because I come from an acting background, it's always about telling people stories. Mm. So I went from, you know, telling fictitious stories to now really wanting to tell the truth. And I think people really respond to that. They respond to the truth and people love lore and they love legend and that's all fun. But I think it's just as fun to also tell the real story because usually history is, I think, way more fascinating than something that you could make up. So they're just awesome. They're I call them creeps kind of as a joke because we like the creepy things. Um, some of them are actually creeps, but I bet, the majority yeah. of them are really cool. <laughs> oh my god. Now when you you know, growing up in, in Seattle, um, you probably went to what, Mercer Middle School, maybe and uh on Queen Anne. Oh, McQueen at okay. So were you did, did you like history? Were you interested in it? Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, from a young age? I've always been obsessed with <laughs> serial killers and medieval torture like that was just always my thing english history was my thing i really couldn't care less about american history and that's completely changed over the last couple of years i'm deeply fascinated and have a complete new respect for american history that i never had before but for me it was more of just like anger in school of why aren't you teaching me the fun things that's still you know more into like the medieval kings i want to know about henry the eighth and you know, that was what I wanted to learn and we weren't learning that. So I didn't care that much. I wanted to go, that's why for me, I've always had an obsession with historic plaques. So if you travel, you see the little plaques, I've always had to read all of them. So I think I've always been drawn to history, but it wasn't as conscious as it is now. That's interesting. Well, you know, we both grew up in the Pacific Northwest. Of course, we had Ted Bundy and then Gary Ridgway, the, the Green River Killer. So we had, you know, mm -hmm. quite a history growing up you know, learning about that. So I thought maybe that was part of that kind of intrigued you a little bit. What, uh, um, what, how do you come up with your content? I mean, how do you get your ideas? I mean, you've got some awesome episodes. Just tell me how you get your creative juices going for every episode. Usually for me, it's if I stumble upon a location. So I travel as much as I can. I go on road trips as much as I can. And I guess you can consider I'm um, scouting trips. Um, but truthfully, there's 
there's so many locations that I would love to do episodes on. The list is kind of ever growing, but it's more of the ones where with the resources that I have, can I pull this off? Can I tell this story effectively with my limited resources and not feel like I'm cheating the audience out of a bigger production for this story? So for me, it's just, it's it's what I can get away with. So it's the locations where I can easily get access to or they are okay with me coming in and filming. It's just, it's so bare bones that that is what dictates the episodes I make. But all of the episode ideas really come from just happening upon a place or I'll hear a name or even sometimes I've been wandering a cemetery and I find a name that I think is interesting for whatever reason. I get a sense about it. I'll research them. Sometimes they have a great story to tell and that's how I get an episode idea. So it's just really about being out and about because I don't really like... I've tried to stay away from doing episodes where I can't actually physically go to the location. So it's all a lot of California because I'm here. So that's where most of my episodes have been. I got you. Is there, have you ever been to one location? You're going to start to do a story and you're like, eh, something doesn't feel right. And then you would basically leave and like, I'm not touching that thing. Have you ever had an experience like that? Kind of. I think for me, I've gotten a lot of requests for stories that are current or not that long ago. And for me, especially considering my kind of storytelling format, I do find the light in dark situations. Sometimes it can be really serious and kind of emotional. I've definitely teared up a couple of times, but I do try to make it humorous as far as, you know, making it like a conversation between friends. There are certain things that I subject I won't talk about. Like I would never do a story like even here in South Pasadena where I live, one of the original like school shootings happened at the high school here back in the early 50s. I would never touch that. There's certain subject matters for me that people are still alive. They would have remembered it and it just feels in bad taste. So for me it really comes down to can I tell the story and it not be disrespectful? or feel right. disrespectful to me. But there hasn't been an instance where I've gone somewhere and like the energy was too heavy for me. The closest was the Cecil Hotel downtown Los Angeles where it has an insane, oh, yeah. all so many crazy things. And I truly believe it's a dangerous place for women to go by themselves. So that's an episode that when I went there, I brought somebody with me and I was very physically uncomfortable there most of the time. Same with the Queen Mary. Me and the Queen Mary, I always say I love the Queen Mary, it hates me. I love that ship and I go there and everything tells me to get off every time. And I've been there so many times and it just never, it never relaxes. So what, do you just a sense or the energy you feel? Are you literally getting messages from something like telling you like you need to leave? I've always had, I've always had a real, it's not even a fear of the ocean. It's very specific to a fear of like ocean liners, like Titanic or Queen Mary. And when I'm on the Queen Mary, it feels like a very sensed memory experience. I've never been able to see things in water upside down. If that makes sense, you know, anything that shouldn't be underwater, I can't see underwater. It makes me physically nauseous. Oh, and the ship just, it feels like I shouldn't be there. And I don't know how to describe it past that. It just really feels like it's beautiful, but nothing is comforting to me. I'm just hyper aware of all the tragedy that that ship has seen. But also 
this kind of insane nostalgic feeling for when it was a cruise liner and beautiful and it just feels very tangible to me. So it's a very intense experience and I keep trying to push through it, but it's not, hasn't worked yet. <laughs> It's like, hey, I think I've been there, done that. Just take a break from it. I hear you. You know, uh, you, like I said, you, you're a great storyteller. You've got fa fantastic content. Do you ever go out with any um, paranormal groups when they're doing investigations in Southern California? Have you ever worked with anybody? You know, I haven't. And it's so funny because I've, I've had more um, invitations from groups that aren't in California. Like I have a bunch of people along the East Coast that have invited me and I'm just not out there. So I haven't been able to take them out on that offer yet. Right. But here, not so much, which is kind of silly. I want to know some people. I want to go out. I don't consider myself a ghost hunter, but I would absolutely, it would be a lot of fun to go out and experience it firsthand. I have a friend of mine who's a very well-known paranormal investigator and I keep saying at some point I'll go out with him. We'll, out, we'll go out and do an investigation at some point. <laughs> That's on the bucket list. You've done so many places, uh, so many cool, cool stories on, you know, like you said, hotels and things like that. Was there, do you have a, a memorable um, place that you went to that that's kind of your favorite, I guess, looking back on it that you're like, Oh my gosh, this was one of my favorite stories I did. I, for me, the St. Francis dam, um, okay. was a huge one for me. The story, I feel very emotionally connected to that story. It was a huge turning point for me. I think actually when I realized how it was important, how important it was for me to tell stories that people didn't know that I really believe need to be told. And I mean, this disaster killed over 500 people and that's just documented people, you know, in one night. Like it's one of the biggest engineering disasters in America that almost nobody's heard of. People in California don't even know about this. And it destroyed Mulholland emotionally and people don't talk about it. It was very well covered up and it was purposely covered up. So for me getting to do that episode, it was the, it was the most ambitious episode I had done. And it was the first time I got to actually get people on camera for interviews. And then after I released the episode, it was the first time I had residents of the area messaging me, thanking me for doing an episode on this wow. and telling the story for them. If this is a part of their area's history, it's very important. It's obviously very important to them. And this is something that people don't talk about. So that was fulfilling in a way that none of the episodes before really were because I feel like I finally got a chance to lend a voice to something that more people should know about. And moving forward, are, are you still thinking about, oh, you got a question. You want to, you want to go for that? For yeah. Thing? Yeah. Actually, I was going to say, we probably need to start shifting towards the remote, but um, I definitely, we, we had a question I wanted to toss up here, which, which actually, you know, uh, just to, to give an opportunity because I know what she's going to say is I'm, I would, I'll, I'll allow Miriam to uh, uh, field this question. Then. <laughs> Uh, everyone is psychic. Everyone has intuition. It's just a muscle that you need to practice and utilize. So the uh, question is, yes, you are too. We all are. Um, is everyone up here utilizing it? Everyone's utilizing it. Yes, that's why they're all doing this work. Um, could they be using it more? Absolutely. Um, but you guys can each answer for yourselves as well. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I I knew that basically the question of uh, of everyone having intuition, everyone has the ability, but then it's also about managing it and and growing it. And I think that that's a lot of what this uh, journey is is about, um, for sure. 
Um, so also want to say a hello. We got George and Darlene. Uh, we also have Michelle. Um, so a lot of uh, a lot of great folks that are in the uh, chat and any other questions you want to toss along. We've got uh, Malia Maglino. Mag I don't Malino. know why. Malino. Say that again. Malia Malino. Malino. It's a weird one. <laughs> It's like I feel like I know it, and it's not coming out. So, <laughs> you. you know, Rick and I were talking about this earlier. We're like, we're gonna, we're gonna screw up her name, it, and we are, and we are practicing, and uh, so we did pretty good. So we tried. I'm sorry. Honestly, it doesn't even phase me. Even on my high school graduation, they butchered my name. It's I've just I've accepted it. It's not a. It's a name. I didn't even choose it. It's fine. <laughs> you said your dad was a, was a drummer. Was he in a band or anything like that? He was nothing that I think anybody would know on like a national scale but a couple like local seattle bands and we did some like minor regional touring when i was little but he's a great drummer i'm very proud of him <laughs> that's very cool so i mean of course you've got this going on oh rick did you want to jump ahead bud yeah yeah actually let's let's um i hate to cut the questions short because we that's could find going on that but um wanted to switch over to uh the remote viewing aspect uh of of tonight and before we get that going i had to get it queued up um so just real quick to set this up because i think you know we were we were talking before show and malia was like so yeah i what uh, actually, what was your answer? I don't want to steal it from you. When I asked I you, no, I don't have any idea what to expect. I'm just here for the ride. I don't. <laughs> you asked me where I wanted to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So didn't didn't want to actually, you know, steal how you reacted from that and, and just sum it up. But um, for the remote viewing aspect, you know, you think back um, during the Cold War that there were folks that were actually being trained to be able to be in one location and then actually be in like the Soviet Union listening to a conversation and being able to share it. So mm -hmm. that, of course, is, is the concept of it. Um, when I had seen the episode Stranger Things, and when the, the character Eleven was actually doing that, I was like, well, I wonder if this is what it's like for Miriam. And I'd showed her that clip. She hadn't seen the, the show uh, and, and was like, yeah, that's, that's actually eerily exactly what it's like. And so that even surprised me because I really wasn't expecting their uh, uh, rendition of that to, to be similar to it. But for what she does uh, in this particular aspect, remote viewing seems to be very accurate uh, of, of a label. Now, also not to steal away the thunder, so we had asked you, was there a location that you haven't been to or just would like to go back to mm -hmm. or just what would be the first thing that would come to mind? And what did you pick? And I'll even tack on the question of why before we start rolling. So I picked Greyfriars, uh, Greyfriars Kirkyard in Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, it is an absolute bucket list location for me. It is considered, there's a lot of places that are considered the most haunted of a place, but this one, I almost believe it. I, I personally know around 10 people that have had experiences there. It's considered one of the most haunted cemeteries in the world and the history there, because I am a history buff, I'm obsessed. Like the fact that can I tell facts? Can I say a fact about it that I just left? Not no. yet. So <laughs> I, I just. But you can it. jump. You can jump in when I start reading. If something resonates, jump in okay. with that. Okay. Okay. So, so actually, in that case, hey, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and we've got a little footage here to roll. 
just okay, to give so, everyone a chance. Sorry, go ahead. No, just to give everybody a chance to see what's going on. Okay, so I have photos that I'm looking at. That's why I'm looking down. Um, I work better off of photos. And we've been noticing over the last few episodes we've been doing that the purse, the guest that picks a location may have a personal connection and psychic connection to it. We will find that out if that's the case with Malia. Um, I the first thing I'm there's there's children um, I'm picking up on uh, I, I'm seeing a lot of children here um, and that's M Malia's connection what's fat okay so I do want to preface this is you know in life there are no coincidences everything is synergized even the painful things are you know the universe is in line with um, it's just that we tend to look at when positive events line up we say oh you know the heavens lined up for us but when negative things happen no one says oh that was meant to be or no one says oh the heavens aligned because we feel like that pain is um that because it's painful and so we feel like well how could the heavens align to create something painful i'm saying all of that because um we're here because um, Malia chose this location, but because more importantly, Malia, you have some children that you have lost in your other lifetimes. Um, and this is one location that you lived in that you lost two children in a fire in a home in. And um, these children, these energies um, follow you. And there's uh, complex stuff that's kind of, I'll go off on later. I'm gonna try and try and stay in this location. Um, but this was a home for you. Um, and so there are these children that aren't stuck, okay? Um, they're not stuck here. They're here assisting in this location. Um, these adults that come through and are scared of the, scared of death, scared of what's happened, scared of transition. And these children are, um, are helping these these adults to pass over. Um, these children have these incredible, um, they died early. And so when, when we are young, we are still very connected to spirit and very connected to our, to, to our higher consciousness. It's really the only thing that moves us when we are young. And so to die young, it's actually a very simple, it's very similar to animals that when they pass because we are, um, these animals are so connected to spirit and these children are so connected to spirit that um, it's, it's a simple transition for children. Um, very rarely do you find children that are stuck. Children that are stuck when they pass on, it tends to be something very horrific or um, uh, frightening. Uh, usually when they pass on, um, from, you know, illness or I, I'm near a, uh, you know, like a car accident, something very quickly, um, they tend to, um, move on easily. Um, so there's children that are here, um, and in many ways they are protecting this space. They are, um, kind of, there's this, this give and take of good and bad. Let me take that back. I don't want to say good and bad, light and dark, but let's not, it's important that we learn that dark isn't bad. Um, dark is what it is. Um, so there's this balance of light and dark here and these children are helping to assist those that are looking for light and are looking to move on so they don't get kind of sucked into this other darker side to what is um, present in this space. It's not surprising that there is a darkness to a 
cemetery is a cemetery, right? I mean, so you're going to have all walks of life um, there. That's not shocking. Um, you have a lot of uh, you love a lot of tricksters here. You have a lot of spirits that um, just like messing with people um, that have stuck around. It's there's these this one spirit in particular, um, older gentleman, really thin, super tall. And he was a jerk in his body and he's a jerk out of body. Um, and he mm -hmm. is there just, he likes messing with people. He likes um, just jumping in, scaring people. He's caused a lot of the hauntings that go on there. Um, did he seem like he, uh, Miriam, did he have an important job in life mm -hmm. possibly? I mean, was he an important person? He was um, money, like real estate or something. There was money, uh, uh, like he was in finance or something like that. Uh, and he took people for a lot of, he, he, he took advantage of a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. He not only took advantage of them, he had no problem doing it. I'm kind of like, they're kind of comparing him to like, um, what's that old movie? It's uh, that Christmas movie where the, that guy is- uh, Oh, Scrooge? Okay, so Scrooge was in my yeah. Is it Scrooge where he he's a terrible businessman and he turns out to be yes, 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 yes. Because that's what would kept coming to me when we were when they were showing me this this guy. Um, he really got off on messing with people, taking people, manipulating, and so he's perfectly happy continuing to do that in the afterlife because he didn't want to die. He was scared to death to die because. He was scared of where he was going to end up, and so um, instead of um, instead of moving towards the light, he's saying, "I want to stay here, and uh, I'm I, you know, just keep doing what I love to do, which is scare people." So but weird. he, but he, but he's doing it in a, in a way that he's 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 not threatening or harming or um, anything that type of dark energy. You don't feel then. Uh, you mean now out of body? Well, just for people that visit the cemetery, when he tries to connect with somebody, does he like poltergeist activity or, you know, not touch him. someone? Not him. Okay. Can, not him. Do, you, do you feel anybody within um, the cemetery that has that type of dark energy that may try to harm visitors? Do you feel anything like that? I'm looking. It's what's interesting hold on overall there's so much i gravitate towards light see i didn't start doing this work until meeting these guys what a year ago so i i say this because i gravitate i'm gravitating towards the light side so you have to kind of push me on the other side mm -hmm. i got gotcha. you so um so darren give me a little bit little bit more on this person because i'm starting to feel well there was a about well there's there's a lot of historical bad things that have happened in this area um, going back to the 1600s. And there was somebody of note of power that, um, not to tell you too much, but was doing the work of the king. Is this in body or when they were out of body? No, in, in body. Um, and okay. did a lot of bad things to a lot of people that ended up near this this graveyard. In fact, right next to okay. it. Okay. And it would, I, okay, I was- so he did bad stuff in body. 
Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. But some believe now he may be doing bad things out of body. And that's why I was wondering when you mentioned this individual that was messing with people, but it sounds like this person you, you've connected with it does not sound like him. But, no, but I was right. just curious because this, this gentleman's connected to hundreds of people of what he did to them. And so when you mentioned the children, I was wondering if they were kind of a conduit to these people that suffered at this guy's hands were trying to help them, you know, move on. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. Here. I was wondering. What, the is what is the guy's name? Uh, it's George. George. Uh, what is it? George. Yeah. He, uh, he was uh, in charge of putting down a religious rebellion is what he did. Um, the Covenanters, I believe, is what it was with mm -hmm. the uh, Presbyterians. And okay. uh, they, wa they wanted to have religious freedom. And the crown said no. Uh, and they hired okay. George to, to crush these people. And he did some really, really bad things. Um, I don't okay. want to tell you, I don't want to tell you okay. too much okay. because some weird things happen. Let me happen. connect with him. Okay. okay. Let me, let me connect with him. I was actually kind of looking through this video as you're, um, uh, this guy, George has moved on. It's not him. Um, he actually, uh, see, this is what's interesting about human beings is we assume that, uh, we assume things. Okay. So, they're saying George actually, when he passed, the moment he passed, he desperately ran for the light. He knew everything that he had done. He couldn't stop himself in body and he's passed on. So I want to find out who is doing these things at this cemetery. Hold on, let me just... Okay, so this is what we've got. We've got right over here, we have, um, there's like an aisle of uh, these children, these angelic-like beings. And then over here, we have these darker entities. And we've got levels of dark energies that live over here. Um, some of them are absolutely the ones that are terrorizing people. The reason why they terrorize is simply because they don't want people on their property. This isn't about anything other than uh, territory and they don't want people on the property. Mm -hmm. Um, they are trying, it's this, it's crazy. It sounds like a TV show, but it's not. They want to take over these angelic beings on this side and they want to own this property for themselves. So every time anyone in body comes, steps onto the property, they see it as a threat. And so they try to scare them off. Um, what, <laughs> well, I, I don't want to give them any tips. <laughs> I was going to say they if they stop messing with people, people will stop going, but I'm not here to give you tips. So the, um, the, that's why they're terror terrorizing these people. Um, people are also intrigued and they're going in taunting these energies. These energies don't care about humans. They care about owning this space. They want it for their own. They also don't want these angelic um, beings to be in their way. They don't like it. They don't want to share. Um, and so the terrorizing is, is that it's 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 simply territory and the problem is human beings are encouraging it they're going out there they're looking for it they're seeking it and they're going to get it and they should actually be really careful these guys aren't messing around this is not a group that you should um uh this is not a group that you should take lightly this isn't a group that you should test their boundaries 
Um, they're saying is, if you go ahead. I was just going to ask, is there a reason besides territory at all that they're so angry? Like, are these people that are buried there and they feel attached to their land or this is a separate thing? These aren't even entities that are fully it's like um you guys might have a word for it i don't know what the word is but they're not even like uh spirit form right it's just like these it, it's this energy that's has very little uh spirit human left to it does that make sense mm -hmm. um and so it's not these beings aren't thinking like we do or like even the angelic um guards are thinking they don't think like that they're it's almost like to compare it and and i'm a huge animal advocate so this isn't but the only thing to compare it to is like a rat where you could you know you can have rats as pets and they're amazing pets i'm talking about rats that are out in the wild that you you couldn't you know if you walked into their space they would take over like it's, it's not about and they're not there rats aren't like um maybe a, another wild animal that maybe you could interact with or or you know what i'm saying like maybe a rabbit would come up to you and let you head it or do you know what i'm saying like there's just saying like there's a ton of these energies and they aren't there to talk they're not there to um they don't it's not about passing over it's like um it's like they just live in this field of darkness um it, it's just their home that's just where they live you know um to get deeper into how that exists in the spirit world we'd have that have to be another show you know but for to keep it short they're saying this is just where these energies live um okay mm -hmm. so they're saying that a lot of them are um oh, spirits that were um <sighs> Okay, this is something that we want to bring an expert in, but um, their souls were um, soul retrieval. So American Indian have, I believe it's American Indian tradition, talk about soul retrievals. Um, people have like, you can sometimes like, there's like a portion of your soul that can get lost or get stuck. And that's kind of where we're at with these guys. I can't talk to them. It's not a communication thing. It's not a, oh, my dad did this and I did that and I'm angry and now I'm gonna get even. These are just energies and I'm standing in between these energies over here and these angelic beings here. But I'm obviously on the side of the angelic because they're allowing me in to just observe and discuss and share that this happens and this goes on. Um, but I'm staying protected. I'm not going to. So Miriam, two questions. Um, one, would you feel that this is similar since you mentioned Native American, is this similar to what was experienced on Heart Island? Similar, different? Different, it's different, it's different. Okay. okay. Um, I, I say Native American, not because it, there's any Native American there. Uh, it's just the Native Americans have a ritual called soul retrievals. If I'm not mistaken, I could be, but that just came to me as I was saying, talking about okay. it. Okay, and Christine had a question. Um, are they feeding off the energy of humans when they visit? Oh, that's a good question. They don't feed off of humans. Um, they just, they don't want the humans there. So they're just, uh, dark energies exist in um, the universe and they live within the universe. Um, living off of human life form I'm not going to say never. I don't know. I've never experienced that, but that's not the case with these. These energies um, are there 
Um, and like I said, they, their souls, have, it's like pieces of souls, like gross, like people's souls that were just kind of like, like a part of it was left there. Mm-hmm. Uh, how that happens, why that happens, again, a different conversation for another day for me to talk to Spirit about that. But um, uh, no, they're just get trying to get you out of there. Huh. Is there like a portal there or something where these things kind of come in and out of there, out of the cemetery? So... No, they live there. Um, and so dark and light energy coexist, just like dark and light energy coexists on the planet. Um, we all coexist. It just coexists. And it has its space and light has its space. Are they ever drawn, like our, our dark entity, our dark being, whatever, darkness like this, are they ever more prone to be on sites where horrific things have happened on large scales? That's a good question. Um Yes, yes, yes. Actually, they're saying yes, you're you're tapping into you're getting you're opening the door to how this happens and why this happens. And you're you're helping to answer the question of uh, missing souls, poor parts of your soul being missing, because they're saying when something really tragic. So just so you guys know, I'm talking to my guides. They're give, they're feeding me this information. These dark energies aren't speaking to me. They don't know how to communicate. OK, so that's not happening. Um, my guides are explaining to me what's going on. So um, when we have mass horrific tragedies like this, um, the human, when it, they pass on, some of their soul is left through the pain and the, uh, the, the, tr- the trauma, the trauma. It's like, a, it's like they're saying, like, when you break a bone, it never really goes back the way it was. Um, and so that's, that's how they all started gathering, they said. That's how this energy started to gather and gather. Because the part of the soul left was that scared, traumatized, traumatic uh, piece of the soul. And then all these energies start to ball up together. And it's not, you know, a spirit form. It's just this massive amount of energy. Um, yeah. Hmm. Um, Miriam, with the uh, amount of time that we have left, um, just wanted to see how you'd like to navigate into the other item, the more personal item to touch on for um, Malia. Okay, so let me um, disconnect. I'm having a hard time disconnecting from them here. Hold on. It's a deep kind of underground space I went into. Um, uh, so make sure you guys, whoever's watching, um, and, and the three of you, uh, if you have sage, make sure you sage yourself tonight, make sure you say your prayer, do whatever you do to protect yourself. Um, because we've opened ourselves up to energies that really aren't looking to harm, but they are also just looking for like places to live. It's very strange. So just make sure you do that. Uh, okay. So this is kind of a big jump. Let me see we, how much time do we have. Okay, good. Um, Malia, I want you to tell me briefly, um, tell me about those dreams. Just tell me as much detail as you can about those dreams. Um, it's okay. So the easiest way I can describe it is it started off with, I have a bed, I had a bedroom in the apartment that I grew up in and you can look into the dining room from where you can see the dining room. I 
from every memory I have, the earliest memories, I was terrified of both my bedroom. I used to say the people are talking to me or the man is talking to me, my mom, to my mom before I even really knew what that meant. I was constantly saying this man's talking to me, this man's talking to me. And then I would have these dreams where I was terrified to take a step outside of my bedroom because I could look into my dining room and there was a boy huddled underneath my dining room table. Now, what it felt like to me was it did not feel like a good energy. It was it felt sinister. It felt predatory in a way that a child shouldn't feel. Like I get I'm getting chills even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had moments in other dreams that I've gotten older where I felt like I was either being told or being shown that this energy that I was seeing of this little boy wasn't actually a little boy, but a man that was showing himself to me as a child, as a boy. So I would be more prone to go towards him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that is what I constantly had. And it's an energy that I have felt and a fear I have felt since I was a child, even if I'm not dreaming of that anymore. Okay. How old were you when it started? Probably around five. And how long did the dreams last? Years, probably at least until I was in puberty. Okay, it's a, a being attached to you when you were going out, you were out somewhere with your mother in particular, uh, this being attached to you. Um, the, the thing is, and uh, I, forgive me if I say things and it sounds harsh, I don't mean judgment or harsh, I just mm-hmm. want to be able to uh, pass through the pass the information through and then I'll, uh, sometimes I say it and it can sound harsh. Uh, the problem was your, your mother introduced you to, um, you were all, you're all very, you know, you're all tuned into your intuition. You're all vibrating and aware of this vibration that you all have. And so you have this raw vibration and you enter it into these places that know how to manipulate that raw energy versus someone like me who grew up my mom saw and understood what was happening with me and immediately taught moved me to the light and taught me mm-hmm. you know brought me teachers that taught me light and so i'm so ingrained in light that as you notice it's hard for me to go to the other side you're the opposite of that yeah and so um this is detrimental because you have and i don't like to use the word shield because i don't believe in um, that we need to, uh, there is a, pro- a level of protection we use, but we don't shut ourselves off to the life experience and spirit experience. But um, you don't have any awareness of light and how to uh, interact and manage. And so you have these beings that just come in and kind of pull your strings like a puppet and dictate for you, you know, mm-hmm. what you're going to feel and how you're going to feel. This man in particular, it's there's there's two beings, okay? Uh, there's a man and there's a child and they're actually separate. The child mm-hmm. is, um, you've got, you've lost children, like I said earlier. I feel like this child um, is, was yours, not coming back to haunt or scare by any means. There was a uh, inability to find closure when the two, when this child died, when you were his mother. Uh, I might have been, you might have actually been a sister even. Um, and so this child is, there's going to be a need for you to um, find the, the closure together. But this man is who I want to address right now because the man, 
Okay, so there's two things happening. You've got this past life child, and I don't know if this child is an actual, I will get there, it's an actual being, or if it's simply your trauma, reliving that trauma, and the missing and the lack of closure with this brother or child you had. And then on top of that, you have this uh, being that's latched onto you, that's no good, that's actually scaring the child and scaring you. Um, and so if you remove this man, you actually can then figure out who this child is, how you can clear the karma, how you can heal both of you and help the child pass over. Um, so, if, but if we start with the man, the man, okay, let me just talk to him for a second. Let me get, uh, he's actually in your space. I'm going to come into your home right now. I'm going to get in between you two. He's right behind you. He's been actually, he's. Uh, okay, so what's happening right now, he's not happy. He's, he's actually really angry that I'm in between the two of you. He's, he doesn't want me interfering with this. I have so many, my body, whole body is like tingling right now. Yeah. So what I need you to do is just envision, cover yourself in light, cover yourself okay. in light and let me just deal with him. He's got a lot of anger. He's got a lot of rage. Um, he liked being, there's also, he's messed up, but he's got this weird, even almost sexual component attached to you. Um, and he's, he's, hold on. I got to call someone bigger and hold on. I'm calling in Olivia. Where are his guides? Where are his guides? His guides won't touch him. Okay. Well, that's not helpful. Okay, so do I have guides that can help here? Because I can't do it on my own. Uh, he's pushing me right now, so I'm going, I'm, I'm pushing back gently. I'm not going to step into his, his level, but I'm pushing back. He's, uh, this is a hard one. He's really, he's really wrapped up. Okay, you got to keep wrapping yourself in light even tighter. I'm going to ask uh, Olivia, can you take Malia, push her, move her energy to the side? I'm actually going to ask you, Malia, to move to the left a little bit. He's not, I may not be able to get rid of him tonight. This might take a little more time. Uh, Rick, you can just cut me off when it's time. Otherwise, I'll keep going. I'm just trying. He's not leaving. <clears throat> I'm calling, okay, so I've got Olivia with Malia. Uh, Celeste, I need you, can someone else come in? Michael, can someone else come in and remove him? Malia, you need to, uh, Malia, you have to uh, ask to be released from him. So in your mind, out loud, whatever's comfortable, you have to understand that your power, your intuition, your psychic ability, all of this stuff is yours. It's not wrapped up in him. He's mm -hmm. not the one that's been creating this for you. It's all been yours. Okay. Um, you have to work out. You've got some issues with men you have to work out. Um, you've got issues with, uh, there's an uncle in particular, they're saying, uh, or mm -hmm. an uncle type figure in your life. Um, this energy is feeding into him and allowing him to stay there. Um, but you don't, I can feel you don't want him there. That's what's different is the difference between you and other people that have entities attached is you don't want him there. I get no, that. I and he's starting to feel that he's starting to realize that. God, I really will actively say, I want you gone often. 
He's saying, no, you don't. Okay, so hold on. That's not, hold on. God, he's really tall. So, um, okay, you, yes, Malia, go talk to him. Yeah, I want you gone. Why? I don't, need, I don't need your energy around me. I don't like you. You bring nothing positive into my life. I need you gone. I want to feel comfortable in my own space. I don't want you breathing down my neck. I need you gone. Okay. So what's happening is, so you and I will talk. You're, you're, what we want you to do is find a neutral. Okay. So Olivia is with you right now. She's bringing, helping you come to a neutral space. The fear that you carry is just feeding him. So he's laughing right now. Okay. okay. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to deal with him. And Olivia is going to be your guide for, and then she's going to pass you off, but she's going to be with you, Malia. Um, so you've said your piece. You're not to, you're not to talk to him, interact, say leave. You're not to do anything with him anymore. He only has me to deal with. Okay. Okay. And when you feel him or anything, you call on Olivia and she's going to okay. get in between you guys. So we have it set up now. So Olivia, when she's called on, she's going to come in between the two of you until we get rid of him. For now, he can only deal with me. So if you want, and not you, Malia, I'm talking to him. If you want anything, you come to me, and I will let you know if, if I'm going to relay that to her or not. Yeah, he's really pissed off. Yep, that's how it's going to work. You come through me first. You can't go around me anymore. You keep, he's saying he'll go around and you know, there's, there's absolutely no way you could get to her anymore. So where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? You can sit in the corner. He said, I'm going to sit in the corner in her house. You can sit there all you want. He can sit in the corner in your house. That's fine. He cannot touch anyone in your home right now. So don't okay. worry. Until, he, okay. So my guides are saying, let him, it's going to take him time to realize he's been blocked. Once okay. he realizes he's been blocked, he'll leave. So moving forward, there's nothing he can do. If you feel or see anything go on, ignore it and just call in Olivia. He cannot go near you. Okay. He cannot go near your roommate. He cannot go near anyone in that home. You're welcome to stay. I'm telling him you're welcome. If you want to stay, you can. Any movements you make, any choices, any words, anything you do, they have to go through me, okay? I'm he's not agreeing to it. He's he doesn't have a choice. Okay. Because Malia, you so clearly don't want him in your life. That's why this is making it so much. This is why he's blocked because you don't want anything to do with him. If you wanted even a little bit to do with him, mm -hmm. I couldn't set it up this way. I couldn't say he can only go through me first, but you have set it up that way. Olivia's there. Okay. So, so that's, that's where we're going to be for a while. That's where he's going to be. Wow. Well, intense. Very intense. What a son of a bitch he is. <laughs> wow. Putting it so, mildly. So Miriam is disconnecting from that right now. Um, in the short time that we have left, and everybody stay on once we go off air, um, Malia, thoughts? Well, holy crap. <laughs> It's a hell of a Sunday night, right? Gosh. Not what I, not what I thought was going to happen, but I, oddly I feel – a little bit lighter at this moment. So I think I'm just processing a bit. 
and, and that would be understandable for sure. So that's why I definitely wanted us to, to chat afterwards. My goodness, thanks um, everybody uh, for, for joining us uh, both on YouTube and also Paranormal Warehouse. And um, there's a few comments that I was going to ask uh, Miriam a little bit uh, after we get off uh, air and everything to take a peek at. Some folks had some questions that could uh, have some follow-up. But Malia... Thank you so much for joining us yeah, tonight. Thank you. We appreciate thank, you. you. thank you. Appreciate it so much. Very nice meeting you. Yes, it was awesome. I love